Hello and welcome back to the Kevin Segura podcast. My name is Kevin Segura and this is my podcast. On today's episode, I want to start really getting into like how to read the Bible. This is really one of my favorite things. This is like what I nerd out about all day and it blows my mind and it's awesome and I love it. Um, today we're going to talk about design patterns in biblical narrative. Um, again, this is literally one of the coolest things um, that I have found in my readings of, of the Bible. Um, and it's basically this idea that the so again i like my analogies um the bible is like i like to think of it as a, a like a like a song or a, a symphony or an orchestra or something where um you can think of a song where at the beginning of it the first one of the first things that you hear when you start a song is the melody or like the main riff that you're going to hear throughout the rest of the thing um and so that riff you'll hear it at the beginning and then you won't hear it for a little bit but then you'll hear it a little bit later and it'll come up like in the chorus but there'll be like a different drum pattern going on or there'll be different instruments playing the same melody um and then you won't hear it for a little while and then it'll come back again in the second chorus and then you'll have um like it'll be played by different instruments or it'll be harmonized a different way this is how the bible works as well in the in the, in the same way it's like a symphony um and so the first melody that you hear it comes from, uh, well, in the beginning, the same place, all these, all the melodies come from in songs. Um, and so you hear it at the beginning with Genesis one, two, and three, the first three chapters of the Bible are insane. They're so cool. Like literally you could read it for the entire rest of your life and never exhaust the wealth of, <laughs> of just awesomeness that's inside of it. It's just three chapters, but it's so densely packed and the entire rest of the biblical narrative comes out of it. All the seeds for everything that you're going to find in the rest of the whole Bible come are packed into Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Um, and it's not usually how we're taught to read it. We just kind of read it and we're like, all right, yeah, it was good. Six days of creation and like, sure, okay. Um, I don't really know how people read these things, I guess. But um, it's the beginning of a narrative. Like, the once you start reading the Bible, like if you start on page one of the Bible, the next, like, I don't know, seven to ten books, if you count the book of Ruth in there, like the next ten books are just a straight narrative. <laughs> like one co cohesive narrative continuing from following the family of Abraham all the way through. Um, and, of course, there's poetry and other things in there. But, like, it's, it's one unified cohesive narrative the first like 10 bucks of the bible you know and so this is the beginning of that this is the start of the story and so it's like um it's like the first couple minutes of any movie um where it'll set you up for the rest of what's about to happen um i think of lord of the rings or the hobbit they of course do a good job of this um where the first like five minutes it sets you up with the basic plot conflict intentions and you know like who the characters are it's like and there was a ring and it was bad and blah 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 and then the rest of the story flushes flushes this out and it um the portraits get developed and so on and so forth but you find it all at the beginning that's what genesis 1 2 and 3 are kind of built like and it's awesome and so the rest of the bible is kind of patterned after this um it's patterned after the story of the garden of eden um and I guess you kind of have to be trained to look for it. Like, it's totally there. And if you're reading, like, especially if you're just, like, reading straight through the Bible, you you might notice it for sure. Because um, with repeated words and vocabulary is how they do this, which we'll get to. But, um, like, we're not taught to read this is my frustration. And so, again, this is how to read the Bible. And I'll leave links down below to many more resources should you care to go deeper down the rabbit hole. But um, this is how to read the Bible. Biblical narrative. And it's awesome. And it's super cool. And... I'm really excited because once you see it, once you notice it, like it's just, 
there and you're like oh obviously duh and then hopefully your mind's blown because my mind gets blown constantly um but um yeah so i guess we'll just go ahead and get into it um firstly the way they do this um the biblical authors they do this by using keywords like repeated words and key themes and ideas and they just repeat them and so it's like it's, it's the same thing as if i go um four score and seven years ago you know what I'm referring to if you're an American, presumably, and you went to school in America. That's Lincoln's, one of Lincoln's addresses. I don't, I don't even know much about it, but that's like his address, you know? And that's how he starts his, um, was it the State of the Union address? I don't know. Um, but like I say something and I repeat the words from a thing and you're like, oh, I've heard this before. And then you recall that and then you're like, okay, I got it. And then you go from there, you know? Um, it's connecting these ideas. And so the biblical authors are doing this constantly with repeated words and key themes and the scenarios that they find themselves in are like, you're like, wait a minute, I've seen this before. Um, and so in a previous podcast episode, I used the analogy of um, Jurassic Park, where at, in, at the end of the first Jurassic Park movie, the bad guy dies um, by dropping the shaving can, right? That's important to the narrative. He drops the shaving can and it rolls down the hill and he dies to the dinosaur that spews poison in his face. And at the very end of all six movies, <laughs> all six movies, that's exactly the same way that the bad guy dies. He drops the exact same shaving can and he dies to the same kind of animal that spews poison in his face. Um, and so they've clearly connected the, the end of the first movie to the end of the last movie in like a very poetic way. The biblical authors do this with every single freaking story and it's awesome. <laughs> like it's insane how they do this. Um, and so today we're going to look at a couple of... Um, we're going to look at a couple of examples, probably just one example for today. Um, the story of the Garden of Eden is where all this comes out of, so we're going to read that. And then we're going to read um, the story of Joseph, or part of the story of Joseph, um, because it's 100% just like right in your face. And you're like, oh, wait, I've seen this before. Um, the vocabulary is all right there. And so, yeah, I guess without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, one last thing I guess I will say is um, translations. Translations are fun just because like, like there's so many different translations and they're all kind of trying to not trying to do different things, but they're kind of geared towards different things. You know, truly the best translation is the one that you read, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like no, any translation is better than no translation, I guess. But, um, uh, some translations will point this out to you more, um, explicitly than others. Um, and so I'm going to be reading from the NASB just because that's the default in the Bible Project app, which is what I'm using to read this right now. Um, and I, of course, recommend Bible Project's app. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, so whatever translation you're using, it should be fine. We'll, um, we can get to the, to the same basic ideas um, regardless of your translation, I think. <sighs> so with that, we're going to go ahead and read starting in Genesis 2. Verse uh, verse four. We're not going to start at the beginning of chapter two of Genesis because that's day seven of the previous narrative. Um, it's broken up like that. Don't know why. But um, and then we're going to go through um, the end of chapter three. I think. Yeah, we'll go through to the end of chapter three. So Genesis chapter two, verse four. Let's get into it. Now this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heaven and the earth. Now no shrub of the field was yet on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. But a mist used to rise up from the earth, and water the whole surface of the ground. 
Then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of the, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and from it there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. Now the gold of that land, it's good, and the bedlam and the onyx stone are there as well. The name of the second river is Gihon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to, cow to all the cattle and to all the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he sent him, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a man, into a woman, the rib which he had taken from the man, and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more cunning, was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said that you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the tree which is in the which from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will surely die. But the serpent said to the woman, You surely will, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from the fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made, and hit, and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you, not, have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, What is this that you have done? 
And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet, you des yet your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. To the man he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Now the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and now he might stretch out his hand, and take also from the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God the Lord God sent him, out of the, sent him out of the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he, drove them out, so he drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he stationed the cherubim and the flaming, and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the Tree of Life. Okay, uh, Wow. There's a lot going on. Again, you can read these stories for the entire rest of your life and never exhaust the wealth of just, <laughs> just never exhaust it. Um, there's a lot to be said. This is a whole series, like entire books have been written on this, on this story. Um, and so again, there's a lot going on, a lot of questions. In today's episode, we're only going to focus on one particular thing, <laughs> which is unfortunate, but, uh, I don't know. Ask me about it another time. Just text me. Just text me. Most of you have my number or something. Um, but okay. Um, so again, from here, just notice the themes. And uh, from here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and read the story of Joseph. Or part of the story of Joseph, not the whole thing. But um, this is... Um, the story of Joseph is, if you don't know it, it's the story before Exodus in like the story of Exodus with Moses and let my people go in the parting of the sea. It's that story, but it's the one before it um, in, at the end of the book of Genesis. And basically what happens is he is, um, he's the youngest of his brothers and he's his dad's favorite. <laughs> and so his brothers don't like him because of that. And what they end up doing, they, they, um, they plot to kill him basically. And one of the brothers, he's like, well, do we have to kill him? Maybe we could just like sell him to slavery or something <laughs> instead. And so they do that. They sell him into slavery and he winds up in Egypt. Um, and a funny image of this is think of uh, um, R2-D2 or C-3PO in the Star Wars movies where they get, <laughs> they get taken by the little, the little Ewok things and they get sold to, to Anakin or to Luke or to Anakin or whoever it is. Um, <laughs> think of that. That's basically what happens. Um, he gets sold down in Egypt um, and he becomes, um, the person who buys him, I guess, is a guy named Potiphar. And the story 
tells you like God was with uh, Joseph. And so Joseph was just like kicking butt. He was just like a really great dude. He was just a really good dude and had gift of gab and just like great with people, I guess. I don't know. Um, and so Potiphar, the guy whose house he was in the service of, sees this. And so he puts him in charge of basically his entire house. He's um he's like the chief servant, I guess, if you will. Um, again, slavery is different in this context than how we might think of it. Um, but basically Potiphar puts Joseph in charge of his whole house and like, he's pretty great. And then, um, long story short, Joseph basically ends up being second literally to the King of Egypt in the land of Egypt. Um, and it's an awesome story. They also made a movie, the same people who did Prince of Egypt, which is the story of Moses, the animated version. They also did one on Joseph, and it's also pretty good. Um, you should check it out. I forget what it's called. But um, this is going to be in Genesis chapter 39, what we're reading. And this is right in the middle of that um, of that story, kind of more towards the beginning of it, but right in the middle of it. Um, and we're just going to read it, this chapter, and then I'll point out to you um, what it is that we're talking about these these design patterns of how this story is so clearly patterned after um, the Genesis story and how it all comes out of it. Um, so here we go. Genesis chapter 34, or sorry, Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, the Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of his bodyguard, brought him, bought him from the Ishmaelites who he had, who had taken him down there. Again, he had just been sold into slavery. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him, and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he owned he put in, char he put in his charge. It came about from that time that he made him overseer of his house, over all the things that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned, in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him there was and with him there he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. He's kicking butt. That's cool. You know, like like that's blessing, dude. Um but anyways. So now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with, looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in the house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do, do this great evil and sin against God? As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her. He did not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. Now it happened on that day that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household were, were there inside. She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside, she called to, do, to the men of her household and said to them, See, he, brought his hand, he has brought in a Hebrew to, make, to us to make sport of us. He came into me to lie with me, and, and I screamed. 
When he heard that I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and, and fled and went outside. So she left his so she left his garment beside her until his master come home. Until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with these words. The Hebrew slave whom you brought whom you bought to us, whom you brought to us, came into me to make sport of me. And as I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. So now his master now when his master heard the words of his wife, which he, which she spoke to him saying this is what you did this is what your slave did to me his anger burned this is potiphar so joseph's master took him and put him into jail and place the place where the king's prisoners were confined and he was and he was there in jail but the lord was with joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer the chief jailer committed to joseph's charge all the all the prisoners who were in the jail, so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge, but the Lord, because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Again, there's a lot going on here. It's really cool. Go read Genesis 12. Go read Proverbs. Go read Psalm chapter 1. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> but, um, the part that we're, again, the part that we're focusing on of, um, um, of how this is patterned and designed after, um, the Garden of Eden story, uh, comes in the middle bit because this, this, uh, this chapter as it's laid out in our Bibles, I guess, this chapter is designed so that you have two big, you have the beginning part, the ending part, and then you have this big middle section. And the beginning part is how um god is with the lord is with joseph is in the words of the story the lord was with joseph and so everything he does he prospers and he's put in charge of all these things and so that's how it starts and then it ends with him in jail but god is still with him and he's put in charge over everything and the pe like the people who are actually in charge don't even have to worry about everything anything that's under joseph because like he's trustworthy and he's like a great guy he's kicking butt and so that's how the story starts and ends this chapter at least in the way that it's formatted um it starts and ends this way and then right in the middle you get this story uh, oh and so ah, i didn't mention this um so this is joseph ruling as it were ruling um in like like governing vocabulary like kind of kingdom vocabulary um Dang, I didn't even touch on the kingdom part, but we'll get to it in a second. And so that's how it starts and ends with Joseph ruling, as it were, being put in charge over things. And then this middle section is um, about how um, Potiphar's wife, his, his master's wife, um, um, tries to deceive him and basically lies to get him in jail. And it's like, like, that's really lame, you know, just like on its own. Like, that's lame. <laughs> but um, check this out. So the, that, that paragraph starts, this is um, kind of the end of verse 6. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Um, that part is important. So we'll j I'm just going to flip back to Genesis um, uh, chapter 3 real quick, the garden, the, the story with the snake. Just, just listen to it. Just listen to it again. Um, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now listen here. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, 
and that it was desirable to make one wise, she took from the fruit of the tree and ate, and gave also to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Um, and so it might seem minute, this idea of, just, like, it's just, it's just a verse in there that says, she saw, and it says it like three times, like, she saw that it was good, she saw <laughs> that it's good to make one wise, and it was a delight to the eyes. Like, it, it looks good. And so she took it. This theme gets repeated throughout the rest of the Bible. And it's awesome. There's a bird outside my window. That's beautiful. Um, and so this gets repeated in many other stories. This is just one example that we're looking at. But um, for, to, to, um, to, give an, to give you another example, whenever Saul, the first king of Israel, um, whenever, he, whenever the people of Israel are like, we want a king, we choose Saul. Um, that whole story is... is um, like they see him that he's that he's tall and he's handsome and he's good looking and so they choose him, um, and it's this exact same vocabulary. Same thing with uh, whenever David gets gets chosen to be king, the same David as the David and Goliath story. Um, it's it's the same thing. This is in First uh, Samuel sixteen, I think. Um, he, they see the whole chapter is about people seeing something. Um, and it's like David also looks good and he's handsome and his older brother, they also look good. And Samuel, the prophet who, who is there to make him king, he's like, oh, surely this is the guy, but it's not him. Um, and so this idea of seeing something and taking something, something that looks good, that, you, that looks good and is good for you, but then the taking of it becomes a problem. Um, you see where I'm going with this, hopefully. That's exactly what happens here in the Joseph story. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and in appearance. He's good to look at. He's a good looking guy. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> like, that's basically what it means. Uh, and so it, it's, he's a good looking dude. Sure. And it's just there. Like, whenever the biblical authors give you details, they're doing that on purpose. <laughs> and then it continues. And it came about after these things, uh, after these events, that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph. You see the repeated vocabulary. In the garden, the story, she saw that it was good and and desirable. And so here she sees that Joseph is, is good and desirable. Um, and so she said to him, lie with me. Um, but he refused and said to his master's wife, and then it continues, and we'll get to it in a second. But you see how she's seeing and she's taking, or she's trying to take, but Joseph kicks butt and says no. Um, Joseph's pretty rad, dude. Um, but it's the same vocabulary, the same theme, this idea that's running from Genesis to here, which is still in Genesis. But from the beginning of Genesis here, it's being repeated. Um, and it's clearly patterned after each other. And so then it continues. Um, uh, she said to Joseph, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. And he, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There was no one greater in this house except greater than this house than I. And he has listened to this and he has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great evil and sin against God? Can you think of a story where humans are put in charge of something and they're told they're given free reign. They can do whatever they want except for one thing. Does this sound familiar? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? This is the garden story. <laughs> he says to Adam, whenever the creation of man, what we read in Genesis chapter two, um, you 
like he put man in the garden to tend and to keep it. Like he put man in charge to rule over, over the garden, um, to take care of the garden and, and like do something with it. But there's one thing you're not allowed to do. Don't take from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is the exact same thing that's happening here. Joseph is, is put in charge over everything and he, like he has free reign. He can do whatever he wants. There's one thing he's not allowed to do though. Um, and Adam, as it were, like in the Garden of Eden story, he fails and he takes from the fruit of the tree. Um, but here, Joseph's kicking butt. He's not, he's not, history's not repeating itself here. He's not replaying the sins of his fathers, as it were. Um, he's kicking butt. And so, and again, notice how it's um, the man, the roles of the man and the woman. Um, now, I will say here, um, I was reading the story with with a friend and, and she said, um, whenever we got to this part and I pointed this out, she said, um, does that mean that like all women are bad? Is that like the picture that this is painting? Um, and in short, the answer is no, absolutely not. There's plenty of women in the Bible who are freaking awesome. <laughs> and like, like there's plenty of those, like that's definitely not the picture that this is painting. Um, but it is pat it is exploring, um, the human condition of this propensity to see something and, and, and see something that's good. Because like the tr like knowledge of good and evil, that's not a bad thing. Like go read Proverbs. Like knowing what's right and what is wrong, that's a good thing for humans, you know? <laughs> like that's something that we should know. Um, but it is how we how we acquire this wisdom. It is how we acquire this knowledge that is that is the the problem. Are we going to receive it or are we going to take it for ourselves? You see the difference. Um, and so it's exploring this idea of the human condition, but it's doing it through these stories. Um, it's also doing some other things, but that at the very least, that's what it's doing. It's exploring the human condition through these stories. Um, and it does it through these patterns. And so you, you're supposed to see, oh, he sees some, he sees, or what? She sees that it's good. And then she tries to take it and you're like, oh, that's not good. You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> I've seen this story play out before. This is what you're thinking. I've seen this story before. Um, and I think that's exactly the point that the biblical authors are trying to make, <laughs> you know? Uh, that's exactly it. And so again, also notice the roles where the woman, um, she's the one who sees and takes. That's how it, it's also presented in, in the garden story. Um, the woman is the one who sees and takes, and then she gives to her husband who was with her. And here she sees and takes, and she tries to involve Joseph. And Joseph's like, nah, not today. <laughs> We're not going to do that. <laughs> um, and so again, Joseph is freaking cool. He's rad. Um, and so he says, how could I do this great evil and sin against my God uh, and sin against God? Um, and like he stands up because like she keeps doing it. Now it happened one day um, or not like he, like she keeps doing it and and he keeps saying no. And so like it's cool. Um, and and yeah, so then she she basically lies. Right. So now she notice this. Now she's become the snake somebody you see this <laughs> do you see this how she has become the snake because now she's lying in the garden of eden story who there was a character if you recall who lied and said this is actually what's happening and if you do this then good will happen um and now she's lying she's like come lie with me it'll be a good thing um and then she lies and he ends up in jail and now he's suffering because of her wrongdoing um and so like what like that sucks, but you see how it's patterned. Now it's it's this kind of dynamic analogy, um, or this kind of dynamic um, uh, parallel 
where different characters will become different roles. Um, and so this is also um, Genesis 3.15, the, um, um, the, the seed of the woman versus the seed of the snake. Because the seed of the snake, here, I'll just read the passage real quick. This is whenever um, God turns to the snake and he starts talking to him. And he says, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Um, and so Joseph is a seed of the woman, right? He's a human child. <laughs> um, seed is how the biblical authors, again, it's an ancient culture. They use different words than we do. Um, many of your translations, many modern translations, I'll say, um, probably translate that as translate that as offspring, I think, which is what it's talking about. But the word there is literally the word seed, like the thing that you plant in the ground and like grows up. Like that's what it is. Um, but again, they use different vocabulary. <laughs> they put it in different ways that we might not, but we shouldn't expect it to speak English. You know, it's not like, it's not like a, the men in black movies where it's like, <laughs> or it's not like an alien movie where the aliens are always speaking English, you know, like, <laughs> like that's not what this is. Um, and so we shouldn't expect them to, to be speaking in, modern american english <laughs> but at any rate um yeah so i don't know did this blow your mind i, I thought it was cool it kind of blew my mind but again the point of this is seeing how th these stories are patterned after the garden of eden story and so you see the same scenario someone something who looks good and someone who tries to take it um and you're like i've seen this story before and this gets replayed in all the freaking stories of the Bible, <laughs> like all of them. It's insane. And it's awesome. And it's like, actually, it's like there's signs of intelligent life in the writing of the Bible. <laughs> um, I'll give you another example that I gave to a friend recently. Um, the story of, um, of Noah and the flood. After he gets off of the, the flood... So first of all, think of... We didn't read this, but Genesis chapter 1, the six days of creation. You have this dark chaotic ocean right and the flood dark chaotic ocean as it were um and then you have the land the water recedes and the land comes up out of out of the water this is the i don't know like second or third day of creation or something like that where i think it's the third day of creation where um where the dry land appears and so you have the dry land appearing and then you have humans created on this mountaintop um with animals Right? This is like the Garden of Eden story. <laughs> Humans with God on a mountaintop where the waters have just receded. Um, and then what happens after he gets off of the boat, the Noah's Ark? Um, he gets off and he plants a vineyard. He gets off and he plants a garden. So now you have humans in a garden with animals. You see the parallels. And then what what happens is um, <laughs> what happens is Noah gets drunk off of <laughs> off of the grapes, right? He takes from the fruit of the tree, as it were. He gets drunk, and then there's this like weird little sex scandal type of thing going on there. Um, and then the story continues. Um, but you but you see this, you see the parallels: humans in a garden taking a fruit, and then having negative consequences. You've seen this story before. This is how the biblical authors have woven this thing together um and they do this on every level on every page in every story and it's awesome um but this is how to read the bible this is um uh, design patterns and biblical narrative um and so like just look for it read but again it all comes out of genesis 1 and 2 and 3 um like you can 
at some point I'll do episodes where I sit down and talk about these chapters. But like Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is so densely packed and the entire Bible again comes out of these, this, this narrative. Um, and it's just so amazing. and so insane. Um, and yeah, if you want an exercise to, to practice this a little bit more, do this, read the first like three page, three chapters of the Bible and then read the last two chapters of the Bible. It'll blow your mind if you do. Um, and if you want to do it together, literally text me because this is what I do for fun. This is what I do in my free time. This is my idea of a good time, quite frankly. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it. Ha happy readings, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I don't really have a segue to end this, but uh, happy readings. Um, look for this there. Again, links down below in the show notes um, and in the description of this video or up here, I think it is, um, where... Um, I have, I'll leave links to, um, some resources for furthering this understanding of how to read the Bible. With that said, uh, thank you very much. And yeah, I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for joining me on this. If you're still here, um, I don't know. Oh, you can tweet at me. Okay. I'm done. Bye. <laughs>